Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Pre-Med Years, session number 166. Hello and welcome to the Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, if you're in the process of applying to medical school coming up in this new year, or whenever you're listening to this, Go to medschoolinterviewbook.com, and if the book's not out yet, you're going to find a landing page there. Put your email address in there, and you can help us shape this book that's going to help support hopefully thousands of pre-med students as they prepare for their medical school interview. This book is not going to be like some of the other books out on the market. If you go to Amazon, there's there are a lot of other medical school interview books. And the majority of those books have questions in them, just lots of questions to to spark your memory and and to think about what you may be asked on your interview day. This book's going to have a lot of questions. There's over 575 of them in there now, questions that you may be asked on your interview day. But I also am including real-life questions, answers, and feedback from all of the mock interviews that I've been doing with students. I've gotten permission from these students to use the transcripts of these interviews, and I'm going to put some of those questions, answers, and direct feedback that I've given them on those questions and their answers in this book. So you're going to see how students are answering certain questions. You're going to see how I give them feedback on these questions so you can start formulating in your head how you want to answer your own questions. Again, medschoolinterviewbook.com. Now today we have a success story for you with a student, Sydney, who has been part of the academy uh, at the medical school headquarters. And if, if you've signed up to be part of the academy, if you're wondering what the academy is, Uh, the Academy probably will not reopen in its current form. So a lot of people have been asking when they can sign up. I I don't think you'll ever be able to sign up for the Academy in its current form. Uh, I will be working on something new, and we'll have information on that when I have information on that. I don't have a ton of information right now, but uh, I do have members in there that I'm working with still, uh, meeting with them. I enjoy that. But with the current academy, it's probably not going to reopen, or it will not reopen. Uh, I'm pretty sure about that. But 
Sydney has been in the academy, and Sydney has she was a traditional pre med student. We're gonna we're gonna dive into her story. Traditional pre med student had some issues with the MCAT, uh, some personal health issues that we didn't really dive into in the interview, which uh, kind of derailed some of her MCAT studying. But she was able to successfully apply to medical school, and now she has the option of picking between multiple acceptances. So let's say hello to Sydney. Sydney, thanks for joining me here on the pre-med years. Thanks for having me. I want to know when it was that you knew you wanted to be a doctor. I am your typical, it wasn't an exact moment in time that I decided. It wasn't an epiphany moment or anything like that. I have always loved science since I was in middle school, Um, and then I just kind of narrowed it down to applying to medical school, and here I am. So you're a a traditional student? Yes, I am. You're a a very rare breed these days, especially on this podcast, so I think it'll be good to to get a traditional pre-med, and and now as uh, having an acceptance, uh, um a traditional outlook on life. What, Absolutely. What was it about the science, the medicine? Can can you remember, or can you even think about it now? Like, What is it that draws you towards it? This is like a, a, a medical school interview. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's what I've been experiencing the past few months. Um, I think just the combination of science in general is just so I love the facts. I love experimenting. I love being in a lab. I love doing dissections. And I have since I was in, like I said, middle school and high school. Um, but I love being able to apply that to people and interacting with people and helping them overall. I think being able to use that as a scientist, like I am at heart, and being able to apply it to people's situations and their health concerns is super rewarding. Okay. So as a traditional pre-med, the the discussion in your head, typically from what I've seen from other pre-meds, is, okay, so I like the sciences, I like helping people, where do I take that? Do I go be a physician's assistant? Do I be a nurse or nurse practitioner? Do I be a podiatrist, a chiropractor, whatever it may be? How how did you end up in the direction of becoming a physician versus those other career fields if you had that kind of internal discussion yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. And I kind of, I was prepared for that question for every interview that I went on because I knew it was going to come up because it's your typical answer. Well, I like science and I like helping people. So um, that is a question. Why did I want to be a doctor instead? And I actually had the opportunity to shadow a nurse practitioner as well as a PA. And they did very much the same thing that family medicine doctors did. But I feel like There was, because I shadowed um, several other physicians as well, but I feel like there is somewhat of a different relationship between the patient and the physician as opposed to a patient and a PA and an NP. That's just kind of the general idea that I got from it. Um, 
but really I also had the opportunity to um, get my EMT license and I volunteered as an EMT. And I think it really occurred to me as I was a volunteer that there were so many things that I couldn't do. I was really limited. Um, they would teach us all these things that could be done, but then they would say after telling us that, oh, but you can't do that. That's not within your scope of practice. <laughs> and it kind of bothered me. So I think I just, I personally want to have all of the tools possible to help my patients. I don't want to be limited. Um, I want to be able to do anything to help them. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, uh a common kind of delim- uh, delineator between those that choose to go the PA route and NP route and those that choose the physician route is that is that is a big um, sticking point is the fact that there as you progress in your career there's there's a ceiling at some point of what you're allowed to do um, right. as a as a PA or an NP and every state's a little bit different with what you're allowed to do and what's what you can do with your license but I, I think uh-huh. that's a common a common thing. Right. When you were shadowing the NP and PA, and, and congrats for doing that, for getting that, that exposure to see, because maybe you really loved what a PA did in, in that lifestyle and the right. less schooling and less dead and everything else. But so I'm glad you got that experience. A lot of pre-meds don't do that. Yeah, so, I really am too. When you were doing that, did you ever get a sense from the patient, because you kind of talked about it, uh, from the patient that they were disappointed in seeing a PA or disappointed in seeing an NP? I got it not from every patient because not every patient understands exactly. Like a lot of them called them doctor. I don't think they understand that they were a PA or an NP. Um, But there were a few cases where Um, I think I remember just vaguely, this was a few years ago that I shadowed, but there was one patient that asked, um, if he could, he was getting frustrated because he had diabetes, I think it was, and it's really hard to manage and it's diabetes is super complex, but he was getting frustrated with the nurse practitioner and asked if he could just, um, if she could give him a referral to a physician and that was kind of the point where I was like, oh, man, like she she's kind of done helping him and he he wants to he wants more help. And it's not that she was a bad NP or anything like that. Like they were excellent, the NP and the PA that I shadowed. Mm-hmm. But there were a few I did notice patient interactions that that they were they were kind of at a point at a standstill where they had to take it to a physician. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as if I were the PA in that situation or the NP in that situation, I, I think it would be frustrating to me, I think, to know that you have all this training under your belt and the the, the patient is saying, nope, I want somebody, quote unquote, better uh, in the patient's mind. Yeah, for sure. Okay, very interesting. So you, you do your shadowing, you realize, yep, I want to be a physician, How did you, and obviously you talked about kind of going through middle school knowing this and obviously high school and knowing that this is kind of the path that you wanted to take. How did you go about choosing your your major and choosing your college knowing that medical school was the, the next step? Um, I actually, I wouldn't say that medical, medical school was even 
a thought in my mind in high school and when I was applying to colleges. Um, I went to Idaho State University, and it's only half an hour away from home, so I didn't want to wander very far, and I knew they had an excellent health sciences program, and I knew that I wanted to major in biology. So my first year, I just... I majored in biology. I took a lot of general classes, and I didn't do a whole lot of um, preparing for medical school applications my freshman year because I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do. I was sort of unsure exactly which route to take. Um, And then I think it was more into my sophomore year that I started getting involved with the pre-health club and everything that they put on, and I then I started looking into what it takes to apply to medical school. So it wasn't until my sophomore year, I feel like I got a little bit of a late start and I started volunteering, shadowing, got into a research lab and kind of slowly did all the things that they recommend you do. I I think you may have thought it was a late start, but I think that's the perfect start, right? Because you you go from high school transition to college and the the common pitfall that the pre-med falls into when they're starting off at at the university is um I need to do it all I need to do it right now and their grades suffer for that and so yeah. you you kind of went in as as you talked about kind of naively didn't really know what you wanted to do focused on your classes which is awesome yeah and then you added things on which is how I always recommend students do it. So I think you you did it perfectly, um, <laughs> even though you didn't think you were doing it perfectly. Right. <laughs> Very cool. What yeah. was it? What was it like for you uh, to to figure out what what you just said? Kind of everything that they they in big quotes the admissions committees, um, the people that hold our key to the future. Yes. The the things that they recommend, how did you figure out that kind of information? I first went to my pre-health advisor and she gave me, she recommended that I base my experiences and extracurricular activities off of University of Utah's School of Medicine's website because they spell it out very clearly exactly what they want, the average hours, and you need to be above average in five of these seven categories. (laughs) It's really, they're really detailed. And I found that when I looked at all these other medical schools that I potentially wanted to apply to, they didn't really have it spelled out. Yeah. And I'm more of like, I need to see like what I need. So I based it off of University of Utah's um, guidelines. And initially when I looked at it, I was really overwhelmed with everything I had to do. And I totally admit, I've listened to your other podcasts where you say, don't treat it like a checklist. Um, and I totally did at first. <laughs> I It was like a checklist to me. Okay, I need to do this and I need to do this. And so... I started chugging away at it, and I probably didn't have the right intentions at first because it was more like, well, I have to volunteer because I need this many hours in volunteering. And I I was probably stuck in that little rut for about a year, a year and a half, really stressing myself out about everything I needed to do. And then I started, I started listening to the podcast probably the end of my sophomore year. 
And I was like, you know what? I need to do things that I want to do. Like I need to volunteer with things that I have a passion for, not just, oh yeah, let's sign up for this five-hour volunteer experience that doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but I can put it on my list of things that I've done. So my mentality really switched at that point. When your mentality switched, did your enjoyment of what you were doing increase? Yes, absolutely. And I can for sure tell that my stress levels decreased. I felt like I was doing a lot more, but I wasn't as stressed. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Now, it's, it's interesting. So you're in Idaho. Idaho doesn't have a medical school, correct? Correct. And so the University of Utah, do I know the University of Colorado does. Does the University of Utah have... Uh, contracts with the states around them to consider you an in-state applicant from Idaho? Yes. University of Utah um, only accepts eight students from Idaho. And then I believe, I don't think they have any other states that they do that with. And then the University of Washington accepts 35 Idaho students. That's great. That's yeah. awesome. And, and you're considered in-state or no? Yes, you okay. are. That's yep. that's great. Yeah, I, I knew Colorado had that uh, because there there are a lot of these states around here that don't have medical schools, and so they kind of pitch in and help. Yeah, it's very helpful. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the on the podcast before, but but I've asked uh, Doctor Chan. I, I've had Doctor Chan on the podcast, the dean yeah, at, at the I University remember. of Utah, and I, I've uh -huh. asked him privately about why the University of Utah has this kind of strict guidelines um, on on why they require a certain number of hours. And it's interesting how it came about, but I, I don't agree with it um, because, uh -huh. because as you said, kind of you had this mentality change of, you know what, I could be doing something better with my time, something that I enjoy more and will affect me more as a person than just following this checklist that, that the school says I need to follow. So, right. and, and that's ultimately what helps you grow as a person, uh, what will help you grow as a physician and connect with patients. And, and that's what medical schools are looking for. They're, they aren't looking for that checklist. No, definitely not. And I've found that as I've gone through interviews, I've done four interviews. So, so talk about, let's, let's skip ahead a little bit to the, the little test known as the MCAT. <laughs> when did that come into the picture and and how did you go about studying for that so I believe I decided to take it after I was finished with my organic chemistry class and that wasn't until my the end of my junior year so I took a Kaplan course and I had I want to say two and a half months to study for it and go through the course and everything. And God, I really struggled. <laughs> I struggled studying for that test and Kaplan guidelines. I think I was super focused on all the wrong things, like just memorizing facts and memorizing equations, which they tell you not to do, but I fell into that trap anyways. And so I took it the first time and I did awful and 
that was kind of a, a wall that I hit with applying to medical schools. The first time I took the MCAT, I got my score back and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm totally not cut out for this. Did you take the old MCAT? Yeah, I did. So I took it twice and I took the old MCAT both times. I took this, took it the second time right before they switched to the new one. You got, you got in there right at the, the last second. Literally the last test date they had. <laughs> <laughs> January of 2015. Exactly. Awesome. Well, that's that's awesome because obviously there was a, a big change and maybe new classes that you would have had to take to fill in some of that content. Yeah. What what did you do to to help you on the second time that you took the test? I think there was actually a year and a half gap between the first time I took it and the second time I took it. And after the first time I felt pretty defeated and so I just kept doing the things that I enjoyed doing. I kind of took a breather from the MCAT and sort of reconsidered applying to medical school at that point. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on this next semester I have and not worry about my MCAT score and just see where life takes me from here. And it was still, medical school was still a thought, but I just sort of backed down a little bit from it. And then, um, I and I decided to take the MCAT again after I had some really awesome shadowing experiences and after I had some awesome mentors helping me along the way I decided to try again to step up and try again so I think that's, that's a, what I did that's a huge kind of revelation and and something I've I've had a discussion with several times recently with with students that uh, I'm helping with their applications this year is, is they're in the middle of studying for the MCAT. And when you get into that rut of just studying for the MCAT and just focusing on the classes that you're doing and, and you don't pick your head up and see why you're doing that, why you're putting yourself through that torture um, yeah. by, by shadowing and getting out and interacting with patients and physicians you, you kind of lose sight of, of why you're doing it, and it's easy to get down and depressed and frustrated and, and want to just throw your hands up and quit. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so I'm glad you kind of you, you went out there and, and you, you stuck with it and, and you, you realized why you were doing it and you fixed it. So what did, what did you fix about your studying that, that helped you uh, with the MCAT the second time? The second time, I focused way more on taking practice tests and practice questions and the quizzes that Kaplan offers. They were really awesome. I didn't even come close to using all of the resources that they have available, especially the first time I was studying for it. I didn't even use the resources I should have been using to begin with, but I really, really used everything that they had, and I did much better. Practice tests amazing it always comes back to practice tests oh yes (laughs) that's awesome so you you conquer the mcat and Mm -hmm. being in being in idaho not having any state schools how did you whittle down your list of schools that you applied to uh I sort of right way to go about it, but I knew I wanted to stay on the West Coast, so I actually didn't apply to any back east, which 
could have been pretty risky on my part <laughs> because there's a lot of really good big schools out west. There's just not as many as back east. But um, I I applied to half DO schools and half MD schools. At the end of the day, I was like, I'm going to be a physician. I really don't care DO or MD. Um, wherever I can get in. I knew I wanted to cast a wide net over all the schools just so I had a better chance of getting in. And I ended up applying to 14 schools. 14 total MD and DO? Yes. So okay. half and half. Okay. That's that's yeah. actually not a lot of schools, but still a, no. a good amount. After I had submitted my applications, I because I looked on, I think it was AMCAS, and it said the average schools that students apply to was 15. And so I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm like right around the average. <laughs> yeah. And then I look on the um, ACOMIS website, and the average is 15 also. And I was like, oh, no. Yep. Like I'm applying to half the amount of the average. <laughs> Yeah, it's, but it's, that was, yeah. it's hard to figure out the real average because not everybody that applies to MD schools apply to DO. Not everybody that applies to DO apply to MD. But yeah, the the number that's thrown around, the average number of schools is 15. But that's those are stats just for the MD schools and just for the DO schools. So when you combine the two, it's it's obviously more than that. Exactly. So I had a little bit of a panic moment because I had already submitted my applications and was like, well... I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> That's good. What, um, f- help me figure out this timeline. So you took the MCAT, you took a year and a half off from taking the MCAT. Did, did you take a gap year in there? Yes. So I'm currently in a gap year and I actually have like a year and a half off. So not just one year, it's a year and a half which I love being on a timeline. So I was upset the first time I didn't do well on the MCAT because it threw off my timeline that I had in my head. Um, But I'm actually really glad that I have a little bit of time in between. Okay. What are you doing to, to kind of prepare yourself for medical school and, and kind of relax maybe? Exactly. I'm relaxing. <laughs> when I when I get off of work, I don't have any homework or any studying to do. It's pretty wild, but I um I'm working as a phlebotomist at my local hospital. So that's really interesting. I love just being in that environment. And I also work as a nanny for a special needs little girl. Okay, very cool. What yeah. um so the the I think typical thing a, a question that comes out from students that are accepted or in this process of applications and assuming they're going to get accepted is what what classes maybe should I take what do I need what do I need to quote unquote prepare why are you not worried about that um, prepare going into medical school yeah um I think I'm not worried about it because it's I mean, it's going to come. I think either way, it's going to hit me like a brick wall like it does everybody else. I don't see any use in stressing about it right now. Um, I have a couple friends who are in medical school at the moment, and I ask them that same exact question, what should I be doing to prepare for medical school? And they are like, nothing. (laughs) Don't do anything. You relax. You can take this time for yourself and 
So that's, that's what I'm doing. It stresses me out a little bit sometimes because I feel like I should be doing something, but most of the time I just don't even worry about it. That's great. Yeah. What was, what was the biggest thing that you learned during your interviews? Oh, I, I learned that the interviewers really just want to get to know you. When my very first interview and all of them, I was really nervous, but I had good experiences at every single one of them. They were really welcoming, really friendly, and tried their best to make you feel so comfortable. And I just realized that they just want to get to know you. They want to have a conversation just like we are right now. They, for the most part, aren't trying to intimidate you at all. They... They are just very genuine and, like I said, trying to get to know you. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think that's the, the truth for the majority of interviews. And, yes, there will be interviewers out there that try to stress you out and try to trip you up. But that's not the common interview. And so no. I'm, I'm glad you had good experiences. Yeah, for sure. So you interviewed at four places. How many places did you get accepted to? Um, I've been accepted to three so far. Wow, congrats. And thank you. And I'm still, I actually interviewed at University of Utah, but still waiting to hear back from them. When, uh, so, so you have three acceptances, waiting on a fourth, hopefully. That, that's amazing. Uh, how are you going to narrow down what school to actually say yes to it's like an episode of the bachelor right (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) oh my god um (laughs) i think cost is a big issue for me not an issue but it's a i mean it's in the back of my mind um location am i going to be happy where i'm at which at all the schools i've been accepted to that's not an issue either um, which is good, which hopefully you do that as you're selecting the schools to apply to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you for consider sure. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, call. I have, I think I've made a decision between the three I've been accepted to, but. How much, <sighs> how much did the interview day and interacting with faculty, interacting with students, seeing the campus, how much does that come into your decision? It does a lot. That's what I was just going to say is I really want to go based on or decide based on how I felt at the interviews. Um It's really hard at one of the schools, actually, University of Washington, they conduct their interviews. So they accept students from Washington, Wyoming, Alaska, Montana, and Idaho. It's called the Whammy Program. (laughs) So they conduct their interviews in Idaho. So my interview was actually in Boise. Oh, wow. Which is is disappointing because then you're not at the campus. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. I wasn't able to get a tour of their facilities, which was one of the highlights of my other interviews was the tour and just getting to see everything and where I'm going to be, um, the whole time and then kind of decide based off of that. So Mm -hmm. that makes it a little tricky, but. So why not make a weekend trip and go up to the campus? 
that is kind of what I'm trying to plan right now. <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad <laughs> <Yeah>. you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. So like, but, because I think it's, it is a huge part of the decision and, and you need to see that campus and, and to having an acceptance to them and not knowing the campus and kind of writing them off just because you haven't seen the campus. That's something that's in your control, right? You can go yeah. whenever you want. Obviously, financially, it costs a little bit, but I think in the grand scheme right. of things, it's it's worth it. Yeah. And their University of Washington is actually unique as well. So I do my first year and a half up in Moscow, Idaho, and then um, the... To the remaining two and a half years could potentially be all over that five state region. Really? So yeah, it's super interesting. Is that just like, for the the whammy students? Yeah, it is. So, so you do your. Uh, that's interesting. I, I almost it's almost like your second class citizens. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty weird. It's like it's, we're going to accept you, and you'll get a diploma with our name on it, but you can't actually come to our campus right i think you're required to do like two months of rotations in seattle but other than that like you're kind of all over the place if you want to be the possibilities and the experiences that are there are really amazing it's just you're kind of a nomad yeah and if that's something you like then that's awesome if if you like rural medicine obviously that seems like that plays into it a little bit, but oh yeah, interesting. Yeah, very uh-huh. cool. Yeah, what, what were some of the the resources that you use to help help you on your journey to to ultimately get three acceptances? Well, this podcast was probably the biggest resource that I used. Um, there's not at Idaho State. There's a small group of students that are pre med. And I noticed over the years that they kind of dropped like flies. <laughs> so by the end of it, I only knew probably four or five other people who were applying in the application cycle that I was. So, I mean, sticking with them and asking them questions and how everything was going for them was helpful because it's always nice to know that people are going through the same thing you're going through. Um, and that was a huge thing just listening to this podcast. I love hearing people's stories and everybody's so different, but I think that's what I realized along the interview trails. I met so many people from so many different places and I just had to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm different. I'm different from everybody else. It's okay if I don't get accepted because maybe I'm just not the right personality for that school and that's okay. That's but, a, that's a great, that's the the perfect outlook. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the point that I got to. I just need to show the best part of myself and there's really not much I can do after that. All right. Again, that was Sydney and she's part of, uh, was part of the Academy. Again, the Academy kind of no longer in, in existence in its current form is, is for new members. Uh, we do have members in there. But uh, if you have, inf- or have questions about how I can help you get into medical school, you can just email me, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I do meet one-on-one with students. If that's something you're interested in, just shoot me an email and we can talk. I do want to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Next Step Test Prep. 
Now, if you don't know who Next Step Test Prep is, they are a one-on-one MCAT tutoring company. They specialize in personalized MCAT tutoring. Each student that works with Next Step Test Prep gets a completely custom program. From your start date to your MCAT test date, you're going to work one-on-one with a veteran MCAT tutor to get the help that you need to increase your score, to get the score that you need to get it in to get in to medical school. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash next step to let them know that you you heard about them from the medical school headquarters. All right, I want to thank a couple people that left us amazing ratings and reviews. We have one from Old Premed. They're stealing our name. Oh no, this is from Great Verse Commentary. Sorry. Great Verse Commentary, who says uh, they are an old pre-med. Extremely helpful helpful tool for non-traditional students. Uh, they listen in the car. They would give it 10 stars if they could. Thank you very much for that review, Great Verse Commentary. We have another one from Human Being. I'm glad it wasn't an alien review. That's good. Human Being left us this review. The first podcast I have listened and Uh, listened to and it inspired me so much that I actually took the podcast application out of my junk folder. That's awesome. I'd love to hear that. All right, we have one more here from Green 27 says, amazing podcast for pre-meds. Ryan does an excellent job at providing the information necessary to be successful on the journey to medical school. Thank you very much. Even though you're a biology major at the Ohio State at the, sorry, the Ohio State University. I won't hold that against you. Go Gators. Um, if you want to leave us a rating and review, you can do so at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. As always, I love for ratings and reviews to be submitted. And what I like even more is when you just go tell your friend about it. Go tell your friend, your classmate, your teacher, your advisor, whoever it may be. All right, I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today. And as always, I hope you join us next week here at the pre-med years and the medical school headquarters.